Are you ready for the word? I got a good one today, I hope. Let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what we've heard from Liesl um, today, God, that when that are, you are the God who breaks chains, that you are the God that brings freedom into our, into our worlds. And God, as a church, that's what you've called us to be, a church that helps people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers us. And God, there's an example of freedom in Liesl's life, and we thank you for that. Father, as we come to your word now, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would help us understand your will, and God, that we would walk out of here with a greater understanding of how you want us to treat our, our spouses and how you want us to be in relationship with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen. Good. Thank you, Sam, for leading us in worship so well this morning. That was God's presence was thick as. It was great. Hey, have you ever um, tried to explain to someone, it's like this? Have you ever um, gone through an experience and someone hasn't experienced that and you've had to try and explain to them what it's like? So you say, it's like, well, how about this one? Vegemite. Have you ever tried to explain to an American what's, Dave, has anyone ever tried to explain to you what Vegemite is like? It's like poo. Thank you, David. My Brazilians, no, don't eat that. Don't like Vegemite. All right, let's try someone else. Have you ever, how about hitting your thumb with a hammer? How would you describe that to someone who hasn't done it? How would you describe it? Yell it out. Painful. Ouch. Anyone else? How about this one? It's like, who's been electrocuted before? How would you describe, Neville, how would you describe being electrocuted? Enlightening. Shocking. I've been zapped once. I felt this like energy go through my chest. How about this one? Brain freeze. You eat something really cold. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. Who, who can explain that to someone else? How, how would you explain it? It's like headache. Sorry, Rob? Like the scene at the end of the Titanic. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit extreme, yeah, but however, we can go with that. Brain freeze. It's like, friends, our theme for the year is one, and, we, and we're basing it on John 17. And this is what it says. My prayer is not for them alone. Jesus says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. There's a generation phrase right there. Jesus prays for those who will believe in him through the message of the disciples. That's generational. I'm going to speak on that in the next few weeks. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you're in me and I'm in you. And we see that in the in the Godhead, how they relate to each other. They are one because of their love and their, and their unity around purpose. But then, then Jesus goes on and says this, May they also be in us. In other words, may there be a oneness between the Godhead and the people who follow Jesus. May they be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you're a person who's committed your life to Jesus, the Bible says that you are one with God, that you are in this tight, intimate relationship with God. Now, if you were going to explain what that was like to someone who didn't have that, how would you explain it? That's rhetorical. Don't answer it. If, as a Christian, someone who has relationship with God, if you're going to um, describe what it's like to someone who hasn't got that relationship with God, how would you describe it? Take a moment, have a think. 
Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul tells us what it's like. And he says it's like marriage. Now, before we go any further, let me just put a bit of a, a, a disclaimer in there because we need to be really careful because maybe your experience of marriage isn't a good one, the one maybe you're currently in now or, the, or your parents' marriage or another marriage that you've seen and you think, if my relationship with God is like that, well, that sucks and that's not a good thing. But when, when the Apostle Paul talks about our relationship with God is like a marriage relationship. He's talking about the image and the and the image. Let's use, let's use that word. The image of marriage that God gives us in the scriptures. Because when God talks about marriage, he talks about this wonderful, wonderful relationship between a husband and a wife. And that is the example of what it's like to be in relationship with God, that God, the Bible's about to, about to read this, where our Jesus is like the husband and we as his people are like the wife in this wonderful relationship called marriage and that, that's the sort of relationship we have with God, the Father, the Spirit and Jesus. Well, friends, to illustrate this point, I'm going to ask our number one couple, our service leaders, Jordan and Beck Curtis, please stand up, give your hands together. Surprise, you don't know this is happening, to come and enjoy the, um, the lounge. And I've put things up there that you can't eat, like chocolate and Coca-Cola and Sprite. But I thought, would you like a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee this morning, you guys? Glass of water, what would you like? You can order from the restaurant. Glass of water, George? Because someone organised a couple, thank you, Mark Reed, a couple of glasses of water for our, for, our, for, for our top couple this morning. Put our hands together for Jordan and Beck Curtis. And, 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 and the reason, I'll move this music stand because I want everyone to see them really, really, really well. Um, uh, the, uh, the reason I've asked them forward this morning is because I want you to think of our relationship with God like a marriage relationship. So I stick a married couple up there. Aren't they a good looking bunch of people? Now, now, don't you think Jordan would look much, much younger if he shaved his beard off? I think he'd look about 12 years of age if he ever did that. He does He's a gorgeous man. You're an amazing man. They're doing a great job service leading. But as we talk about this, I want you to think of marriage. And that is out there are objects this morning to remember us, to remind us of what our relationship with God is like. So friends, I want to take you to um, Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, they're going to be on the screen. And you might want to highlight your Bible or you want to take notes. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, because this is where it talks about how our relationship with Christ is like a marriage relationship. This is what it says in verse 21. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's how we're to relate to each other as believers. We, we are to submit to one another. And then he gets specific and he talks about the different relationships. The husband and wife, parents and children, bosses and employees. That's Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 22. Here it comes. Thank you, Mark Reed. I think you need to trim your beard. Your beard is like out of control, dude. Verse 22. Wives... Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as you can take that mark if you want to, that's fine, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. See the connection here? Husband, wife, Jesus and the church. And the church is in the building. The church is are the people. Jesus and the people, husband and wife. 
He says in verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So let me give you a summary. Ephesians 5, 21 to 24, the first thing he says is, Wives, submit to your husband. And, and that's the example of the relationship Christians are to have with God. So the church submit to Christ. And then he goes on to talk this. Husbands, the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. The marriage relationship is, is an example of the relationship between us and God. Goes on. Verse 25. Husbands, now if you thought, if you read that and your wives submit stuff and the blokes are going, woohoo, settle down because your job is much, much, much more difficult. Here it is. Mark, you should write this down. Sam would want you to write this down, okay? Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church, Michelle, you're going to love this, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Now I went, what is that about? What does that mean? I get the first bit. As Christ gave his life, he died on the cross for us, the church, that we could be forgiven of sin, be in relationship with God. But 26, to make her holy, to make her set apart, to make her his own precious bride, if you like. And this is cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. What is that? Well, apparently, I had to go to some commentaries. And at the time, before a woman was married, the woman went through a ceremonial washing in preparation for the wedding day. And so there's the imagery. And then in verse 27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. I think that's sort of pointing towards the wedding dress of the bride. There's that imagery there. But going back to cleansing by the washing with water, that's the ceremonial washing, how? Through the word. That word is is simply the good news of Jesus. As we hear the word, the uh, truth of God, of, of his scriptures, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, he was raised to life, that we could have new life, that our relationship with God can be restored. That is the the word, the uh, good news. And so God cleanses us, purifies us, through, through the good news of Jesus. Verse 27, And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You hear that, church? Holy and blameless. That's how God sees you this morning. Holy means to be set apart, to be different from the rest of the world, to be his, his own people. And he sees you as blameless. Because of what Christ has done for you, your blame, gone, dealt with because of Christ. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Write that down, Mark. That's a good one. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. Here's a summary of these verses. Here's a summary. Husbands, love your wives. Christ loves the church. Christ gave his life for the church. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And then in 29, husbands feed and care for their wives. Christ feed and cares for his church. The marriage relationship. Are you guys enjoying this? 
Maybe not, I'm sorry if you don't. Um, the the uh, picture we see here is the picture that God wants us to get a handle on, to understand what it's like in our relationship with him. But then it goes on in verse 31 and it goes this. For this reason, and here Paul quotes Genesis chapter 2 and Mark chapter 8, or Mark chapter 10, one of those, Mark chapter 10 verse 8. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Husbands and wives get together. There's obviously sexual intimacy and they become one. And then he says something really interesting in verse 32. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. So this oneness that the husband and wife has, Paul flips it and he says that's like the relationship that we have with God as Christians. Now, when you think about your marriage and if you're not married, hopefully it's coming for you one day and if, and if you have that gift of um, not marriage, is it what, singleness, um, I'm sure God will um, encourage you in that and, and give you all, all that you need in that. But if you are married, you have this relationship with your spouse that is unlike any other relationship on planet Earth. Well, it should be. Yeah? There is this depth of knowing where your spouse knows you better than your mother. And that's a picture of the relationship that we have with Jesus. Now, Michelle sometimes, to my horror and terror comes out of our built-in um, walk-in robe and she says, Nathan, um, what do you think of this? And when she says that, I go, oh dear, because I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. No matter if it's whatever I say, I'm in trouble. And Michelle knows, Michelle knows what I'm thinking without me saying anything. She can look at me and she just knows if it's okay or not okay by, I try not to, I try not to move my face. I try and keep it perfectly still but she knows if it's okay or not this is true isn't it this is true who can relate to that just uh, two people through a few people you're in trouble because your spouse is supposed to know you and this depth of relationship and it's the same with God now I want to say that the relationship with God is even deeper than the relationship the spouse you know God knows you he knows you he knows you he knows you and we go on a journey of knowing him let me take you to another scripture from 1 Corinthians 6 now this passage in the, is in the context of sexual immorality. And this is what he says. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? Now, when you have sex with someone, you become one with them. And, and many of us have grown up in the world and, and we've had sexual relationships with people who aren't our spouse. And that's not ideal. But when that happens, you build a oneness. And that's something that needs to be broken in Jesus' name. And you can pray for that. We, we, we call it a soul tie where you are connected with them deep. And, and, you, and you go to God, you ask for forgiveness, you break that tie, you, you ask God to return to that person what you've connected and, and it will be returned to you and you can break that tie. And if you want some help, Beck, Kerry, and we get some blokes in there for the men around prayer ministry that can help you. But look at verse 17, this is the point. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. 
Because when you become a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you and your spirit becomes alive and you're, excuse me, connected. Your spirit and the Spirit of God are connected and they're tight and you're one with Him. I want to suggest that it's deeper than any marriage relationship. This connection, this intimacy that you have with God. But friends, just like in any relationship, it takes time to develop. Now, God's got a massive advantage on this because God's the all-knowing God. He 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 knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows my days. He knows all about me. But just like in any relationship where you need to get to know the person, we got to get to know God. Michelle and I got married in 2004. And although we were one, we didn't know each other perfectly well. And, we're, and 12 years in a marriage, we're still on a journey of getting to know each other. And every day I find out the things I don't know. And every day you, are, you are go deeper and you get to know your spouse at a deeper level. And friends, I want to say that's the same with God. That we need to develop our oneness with God. As I said, God's got a big advantage because he's all-knowing and he knows all about us. But we need to go on a journey of getting to know him. That passage says that Jesus loves us. He has given his life for us. He's feeding and caring us. We have these descriptions of what he's doing for us. And that's good and we need to know that. But it's to know him intimately. It's to know him deeply That's the relationship that God wants with you. That you would know him deeply in your one relationship with him. Back in uh, 2009, there was this guy named Gary Chapman. Oh, I left the verse out. Let me me give you this verse. In James 4, 8, it says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Another translation says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In that relationship that we have with God, God wants us to draw near to him. 2009, Gary Chapman wrote the five love languages. Who's heard of the five love languages? Who can name all five? Go. Turn to the person next to you. If you can't, that's fine. But if you can, give it a go. What are they? If you don't know, that's perfectly fine. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Who got all five? Who got all five? Who got four? Who got three? Who got two? Who got none? Here we go. Number one, words of affirmation. It's a, this, is how we, this is how we show love to our partner or how we like to receive love. Yeah, and by, and by loving, this is really important. This is the important bit. Listen to this. By loving your partner in the way they need it, your relationship with them goes deeper and your oneness gets oneier. Can I use that word? Gets, gets, gets more one. When you, was that funny, was it? Excellent. Um, when you love your partner in the way that they need it, your relationship goes deeper. So one of the ways you can love them is through words. I love you. I value you. Another one, spending quality time. And with quality time goes quality conversation. Yeah? Number three, gifts. By giving, who, who, who are the people who like to receive gifts? Yes, the gifts. Nice. Physical touch, who likes that one? Curtis's physical touch. They love physical touch, apparently. Number five, acts of service. Acts of service, they're the five. And, and, and the reason I bring these up this morning is because, you know what? These, 
these five love languages are, are really good for a marriage. And for our marriage, back when we first heard about this, it was really helpful because Michelle and I are, are very different. For me, I love words of affirmation and acts of service. And as a result, I was giving lots of words to Michelle and I was serving her. But what she needed was quality time and gifts. And so I was loving Michelle in a way that was nice but wasn't what she needed. And she was trying to love me in a way that I didn't need, although it was nice. And once we worked out what each one needed, we started to love each other differently, which took our relationship to a whole nother level. That was Hillsong one, you remember that? Whole nother level. And friends, the reason I bring this up is because this is healthy in our marriage relationship, but I reckon we can also relate to God in the five love languages. Hmm. After all, he's the one who created them. And he actually loves us in these five ways, and we can love him in these five ways. And as we do, we get to know him. Our relationship becomes deeper, more intimate, and our oneness goes stronger. So let me take you through each of these briefly. Number one, words of affirmation. Using words in our marriage to say what we think of our partner. And you know what? The Bible is clear and is full of descriptions and words of affirmation that God speaks over us. God says, I love you. God says, you are my child. God says, you are my workmanship. God says that he has forgiven us, that he has adopted us, that we are his holy people, a, a, no, a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. God speaks these words over us, declaring his love for us. And you know what? God loves it when we declare what we think of him in words. God loves it when we stand and we sing these songs, when we sing, God, you are good. God, I love you. God, you're, you're the number one in my life. I remember in my early 20s, I was at another church and an older guy in the faith said to me once, Nathan, do you ever tell God that you love him? Do you ever tell God that you love him? And I went, wow, never been asked that before. Never thought that before. And I think the answer was no. Now, did I love God? Yeah. I was a Christian. But I think my, my, my relating with God was all up here. It was understanding. It was knowing what is right. It was choosing the right things. It wasn't an, it wasn't an emotional connection. Now, there's nothing wrong with head knowledge, and we need to know that, and we need to think, and we need to make choices. I'm not knocking that. That's a good thing. But God also wants us to be heart with him. He wants us to be emotional with him. And I think it was as the Spirit of God um, had more of an impact on my life, as I was filled with the Spirit more and more than that, that that love for God, that emotional love for God started to well up. And now, so, so now I'm deliberate to tell God that I love him because I know he loves it. Friends, use words to express how you feel about God. He loves it when we tell him how we feel about him. 
And as you do that, your relationship goes deeper and your oneness becomes closer. The second one this morning is quality time. In a, in a relationship, it's great to spend time with your partner and quality conversation. But it's also true with God. God loves it when we spend quality time with him. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see him taking time aside. And you might think, well, at the time of Jesus, life wasn't like it is now. Today's life is so busy and there's so many things to do. And particularly if you're a young mum with little kids, to try and find time to put aside to spend with God, I mean, that's just practically impossible. And for some mums, it might be impossible. It is really difficult. But if you think about Jesus, I mean, Jesus was in huge demand. People wanted him. People wanted to, to get in his face. People wanted to hear his teaching. People wanted them to, for Jesus to touch them and for them to be healed. Jesus was a celebrity and people were coming from all over the country to see him. But yet even in those times of mayhem and busyness and people coming, Jesus withdrew. In Luke chapter 5, in Mark chapter 1, it talks about how Jesus withdrew to spend quality time. It doesn't say quality time. It says to pray with his Father. And that's quality time. Spending time with God. Spending time in his word, friends. His word. The Bible talks about, how the Bible, about itself and it says that the Bible is God-breathed. The spoken words of God, useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. It's the main way God speaks to us is through his word. And friends, as Christians, if we're going to know God, a big, big part of that is to know his word. And we've got to put time aside just to read his word. For me, I read a chapter a day. I started, I do lots of different things, but I started, I don't know, a month or two months ago in Matthew chapter 1. I'm now in Luke chapter 10, went through Matthew, went through Mark, went through Luke. I do a chapter a day. That works for me. That may not work for you. There's plenty of Bible reading guides. There's plenty of online things that you can do to help you get through the scriptures. But if you're going to be one with God, if you're going to be intimate with him, you need to be in his word. Let me encourage you to pray as well. To spend time talking to God, whether it's not that 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you can do, just you and God, or if it's driving in the car, if it's in the shower, if it's in the bathroom, if it's walking throughout the day, talk to him. Pray with him. Or simply just sit in the bush and be with him. That's something Ken Woolley does. He, he's got a, apparently a spot in the bush and he sits on this chair and he just bees with God. And I go, that's awesome. Bees with God. I make these words up when I preach Natalia. Feel free to use them, add them to your vocabulary. People will start to um, use them after some time. Yeah? Be with God. When's the last time you took time aside? You took 20 minutes just to you and God together. When's the last time? Number three, gifts. Who loves gifts? We asked this before. My wife's a gift person. Giving gifts is a good thing to Michelle. I know that. And, and, and when you buy gifts for your spouse, people like Mark go, woohoo! For me, I go, that's nice. I'm not really into that gift thing. I'm into the other things. But for some people who love gifts, it's just the best thing. And you know what the scripture says? In James 1.7, it says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Mark talked about thankfulness. That was a great encouragement, about being thankful for what God has given us. And the Bible says the good things that you have are gifts from God. In um, Ephesians chapter 1, it says, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. God has lavished His gifts on us. He's given us 
gifts in, we can read about in 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts. In Romans chapter 12, another bunch of gifts like leadership and mercy and administration. And they're the gifts that God gives to people. In Ephesians 4, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, those, those gifts that, that are actually the people to the church. That God gives gifts to us. And friends, we're called to offer our gifts to him. You know the house that you live in? That's God's gift to you. And you can offer that gift to God. The house, you can offer that to God by making it a place where people can come and be encouraged and pray and hear the message of Jesus. Your finances are a gift from God. And as you do your tithes and offerings and gifts, some churches say, that is a way of giving a gift to God through offering. The gift that you have, if it's a leadership gift or a mercy gift or if, or if it's an administration gift that God's put in you, God wants you to offer that to him. And you can do that through serving his church. As we use our gifts, it takes us deeper with God. The intimacy gets deeper. We become more one with him. Number four, physical touch. Now in marriage, this is, a, this is wonderful. Who likes physical touch? Yes, baby. Holding hands, cuddles, kisses, and intimacy. Intimacy, yeah. And we need to celebrate sexual intimacy. God gave it to us. It's a good thing. We need to celebrate it. In June or July, when's he coming? Kenny, is it June? In June, we have Leon and Luba Munro. They are um, a couple in their 60s. They've been serving God for many, many years. He was a pastor at Shire, a pastor at Kingsway. Now he's the pastor to the pastors in Churches of Christ. And I've called him the sexpert. And he's going to, him and his wife are going to come and they're going to preach on sex in June. That's going to be our most highest attendance services ever. Amen to that? We will, we will let you know he's coming. He's going to talk on that. Physical touch. Now, in one sense, now you might be thinking, well, how does that relate to God? How do we touch God? Well, in one sense, God is always touching you. Because if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God in you. So God's always in you. But there's been times in my lives and in worship this morning, I just sensed his presence wash over me and I sensed the tingling in my arms and the Spirit of God was touching me. So I put my hand on Aiden, I put my hand on Joel and I prayed for them. put my hand on Michelle and Elisa, Alicia as I was imparting the Spirit of God. There's been times where I've been healed. There have been times where I just know his presence as God touches us physically. And friends, if you want to touch from God, if you want to touch him, that scripture in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When's the last time, when's the last time you put yourself in a spot where you were saying, God, touch me, God, heal me, God, meet me here? When's the last time you put yourself in that space? God wants to touch you. Ask him for that touch. Last one. Acts of service. I love this little thing up here. Today I'm taking the kids out so you, so you can rest because I love you. Who would love that as their spouse? Yeah, love that. That's pretty cool. Hannah, suck a hand up. That's very true. You know, when we do things for each other, when we clean the car, we pick up the clothes, do the washing, cook a meal, that's loving your spouse. And hopefully that's what they love because that will help them feel connected and deep with you. But you know what? The scripture is very clear that God serves us. And the biggest way, the biggest example of service 
that, that our God showed us was when he sent Jesus to die on that cross for us. God served me and served you by creating a way for your sin to be totally dealt with and finished. For the punishment that you deserve for your sin, which is death, to be dealt with. For the anger, for God's wrath, his anger that is on people who are disobedient, for that anger to be appeased, that happened as Jesus died on the cross. God served me and you by taking our sin, our death sentence, God's anger upon himself so that we could be in relationship with God, that we can live with him forever, that we can, that we can live unashamed. And friends, if you're here this morning and, and, we, and we've talked about what, what God has done for us, and you haven't made that commitment to follow him. I want to give you that in just a moment. That opportunity to become a Christian. I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a moment. I just want to finish off this point, then we'll come back to it. God serves us by giving his life. And he asks us to serve him. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. And, and the sheep are those who loved people on his behalf, those who visited those in prison, who gave food to the needy, who welcomed in the visitor and the stranger. Those who were the hands and the feet of Jesus. And as we serve others out of a response of love for God, our relationship with God goes deeper, it goes further, and the oneness gets tighter. So friends, where have we been today? I started by saying, what's it like? And I said, what's, if you were speaking to an unbeliever, someone who doesn't yet know Jesus about what it's like to be a Christian, how would you describe it? Well, the Bible talks about it's like the marriage relationship. The marriage where husbands and wife are submitting to each other and the husband is giving his life for his wife and lifting her up and loving her like his own body. It's a wonderful example of tightness. And then we talked about the love languages and how we are to relate to each other as husbands and wives. But we can also relate to God in these love languages by using words, spending quality time, acts of service, gifts. And I left one out. Which one did I leave out? Physical touch. As a way of responding to our love for God. So as you come to a close, I invite the worship team. Come on down. Come on down, worship team. Thank you, Jordan and Beck. You guys were awesome up there today. Weren't they great? What a good-looking couple. Thanks for your help. If you're here this morning and... We talked about making that commitment to follow Jesus. If you're here this morning and you haven't yet decided to follow him, I want to give you an opportunity right now. And to become a Christian, you simply pray a prayer, asking God, asking God to forgive you, committing your life to follow him. And you start this journey with him that lasts for eternity. So with every head bowed and eye closed.
Here we go. If you're here this morning and you want to commit your life to Jesus, I want you to, I love you to pray this prayer after me and I encourage everyone to pray it. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for ignoring you. I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Friends, if you pray that prayer, you just become a Christian. Welcome to the family of God. Best family to be a part of. Welcome to a relationship with God that that goes for eternity.